This is Think Smart with TMFG, your weekly podcast of what's newsworthy and relevant to everyday Canadians. With your hosts, Senior Financial Advisors, Rob McClelland and Mike Conan of the McClelland Financial Group of Asante Capital Management. Today on Think Smart with TMFG, Mike and I are going to be discussing why rebalancing a portfolio is so important. Mike, whenever I think of one of the foundations, whether it's diversification or saving or rebalancing, I always like to give a real life example and, and maybe something completely different. And, and so I'm going to use rebalancing and I'm going to think of it in terms of exercise. And there's, you know, three different types of exercises that you could do. You know, you could do aerobic exercise, you can do strength training, or you can do stretching. Those are sort of the three of the basic ones. The problem is, is sometimes, you know, maybe you've been focusing on just strength training and you've been lifting a lot of weights, which is great. You can bulk up and you feel good about yourself and your clothes probably fit better. But typically what starts to fall apart is your flexibility. And, and then if you try and go out for a run, even though you're so much stronger, you haven't done any aerobic exercise because you've been in the gym lifting hard weights, everything's out of kilter. And so you need to, you need to balance. You need to, you need to maybe start doing a little bit of yoga or at least some stretching at the end of your, your strength training and maybe go out for, a, you know, some long walks or get on the elliptical, whatever it is. But you need to balance things. Your diet, sometimes you're eating way too many carbs. You know, we're heading into the Christmas season here. There's probably a pretty good chance we're gonna have way too much sugar and way too many carbs. You need to make sure you're, you're fitting in some, you know, some good protein and all of that. Again, you need to have a balanced diet. You've always told the story about pilots. Well, when, uh, whenever you go to a destination on a plane, there's 0% of the time the, paint, the plane is pointed at your destination. Maybe when you take off and when you land, but that's about it. Generally speaking, they're accounting for wind and they're making adjustments along the way. And if anyone's ever sailed, you get used to this. When you sail, for those of you who have ever done it before, there's something called tacking, which means you have the point that you want to get to, but the wind is generally not blowing straight at the point you want to get to. If it is, you can just go and sail to that point. But generally speaking, there's winds going across and you have to go either port of the point for a period of time, then switch and be a starboard uh, uh, the point. At, uh, I'm using port and starboard. I think I should be using uh, <laughs> my left and right. My sailing terms are obviously off. But usually when you're sailing, you're always making uh, adjustments as to where you're trying to get uh, because a straight line doesn't work that well. So let's switch that over to rebalancing for investment purposes. And essentially, rebalancing all starts with, number one, you have a, a plan. And that plan is typically an asset allocation. How much money you're going to put in stocks, how much money you're going to put in bonds and real estate. We'll keep it really simple to begin with. So, Mike, you've got a good example of, of how rebalancing works and why it's important. What's that? So let's start with a stock and bond portfolio. Let's say it's 50-50. 50% stocks, 50% bonds. And let's say you have a million dollars and the stock market takes a correction of 20%, the bond market doesn't move, right? So you have $500,000 in stocks, $500,000 in bonds. Your $500,000 in stocks all of a sudden has dropped to be worth $400,000. Your total portfolio is now worth $900,000, but it's no longer 50-50 mix. Out of that 900,000, 
there's 500,000 bonds, there's now only $400,000 in stocks. So the rebalancing strategy, what you, you would do is you want to really bring this back to a 50-50 mix. So you would take $50,000 from the bonds and you would buy $50,000 worth of stocks. So you'd still have $900,000, but now it'll be $450,000 in stocks and $450,000 in bonds. Now the advantage of that is when you went and bought these stocks is just after it went through a 20% correction. And Rob, what usually happens after you go through a 20% correction? We've talked about this numerous times. The market tends to come back to where it started. And now instead of having $400,000 in the market, you have $450,000 in the market. Again, this will give you an advantage over someone who doesn't do this. So that's the concept of rebalancing. It's, it's there basically to match risk and return. And we've talked about this with a, a lot of clients over the years. Every client has a different tolerance for risk and a different need. So every client has a slightly different portfolio mix. Now, some are categorized. We've talked a lot about the 60-40 portfolio. That's a very common portfolio. 60% in, in equities or companies and 40% bonds. There's 50-50 portfolios. Uh, there's 70-30. 70, a lot of our clients have 70% in stocks, 30% in bonds. So everybody's got a slightly different thing. And all you're doing with rebalancing is getting back to make sure that that level of risk is where you're always at. If you all the research I've looked at says it may add and typically does about an extra quarter point to your return over time. It was funny, one of the first pieces of research I did, and this was back in 1994, uh, someone wanted me to do something because I was a math guy, they wanted me to do something on rebalancing. That time I got my Lotus <laughs> sheet out because I guess that's what we used as a spreadsheet program that time. And I had all the stock market returns over a 20-year period or 30-year period. And I guess they wanted me to show them how great rebalancing was. And when I put the numbers in, they didn't show much of an increase in return. And of course, you have to figure out why. But the reason why is because equities do better than bonds, if you don't rebalance, you'll always, if you take an infinite amount of time, you end up with an all equity portfolio or almost all of an equity portfolio, which will continue to give you better performance. So if you started with a 50-50 portfolio and you're 50 years of age, by the time you're 70 years of age, you're probably 70% in stocks and 30% in bonds. Yeah. And which ideally can uh, boost performance sometimes, but there's a lot of downfalls in that. And there's a lot of problems with that too. One of the concepts, and let's talk about how we rebalance portfolios. And many clients will be familiar with the, the terminology we use, but well, let's start uh, with some of the basics. So the first one is, let's say you're supposed to have 10% in Canadian equities. So Canadian companies, you've got 10%, that's your target. So we typically allow a 20% variance from that. That means you can be as low as 8% or as high as 12%. So it's 20% of 10 that's pretty easy. So if you fall to 7.5% in Canadian companies, you need to rebalance that. If you go to 12.5% in Canadian companies, you need to rebalance that. So right away, why do you typically go from 10 to 12.5? What's happened, Mike? Why did Canadian equities go from 10 to 12.5? Well, what we've seen this year is Canadian equities have outperformed U.S. equities because oil prices went up, right? Which created, and oil is cyclical, we know that. So because of the cyclical oil prices, we're now in higher position in Canadian equities. 
So Canada's done well. So we're now saying you need to take that extra 2.5% that's in Canada and we need to move it to where? Probably this time, no one's going to like this, but it's probably going to be international equities. So it's going to be international and maybe some real estate. And again, remember fear goes in here. When you say international, isn't there a war over there? Well, yeah, there is a war going on over there, but wars mean cheap prices. And, and it's, you, want, you want to put some in real estate right now? Like, isn't it supposed to be going down? So you're telling me to sell my winner and put money into the loser. Yeah. And, and this is what goes through everyone's mind when we say we need to rebalance. And what have we learned over the years? Well, the markets are emotional blackmail. <laughs> it's essentially what they are. Because your emotions are fighting on every decision we're talking about over here. We know that makes sense, correct? Like we know if market's down 100%. We can theorize that at any time and say, yeah, if they do fall, yeah, when in 2008, when the US markets fell, what a wonderful time to buy buy things. At that time, it didn't feel like that, did it? Nope, no, no one's running out saying, can I buy US equities? I saw the S&P just dropped by 50%. Can I go and bank, bank, bank of America and got, I buy that? Bank of America went from like $100 down to $3. But there was no lineup to buy it at that time. Everyone's running saying, let's get away from it, right? So when you see those things happen, you need something to battle your emotions. We're not saying this is easy because it's going against what you're comfortable with. But what I've learned, and I've used this expression with a few clients, is that's okay if you don't want to rebalance because you don't want to pay the taxes. You won't have to worry about your profits or your taxes probably 12 months from now because the market will take that away. It will solve your problem for you. And what do we mean by that? Well, that's our great, we've used this in podcasts before, but the Nortel example taught us all lesson. People made a fortune in Nortel back in the year 2000. It became a huge percentage of their portfolio. And all we were asking was for people to rebalance out of it. Everyone said, no, no, I don't want to pay the tax consequence for us. And guess what? The market took care of that tax consequence and all the profits as well as it. So... And that's what I mean. The, the market will come along and take away your all your worries about paying too much in taxes, but along with it, it'll take your profits. There's a great movie called The Tail and the Dog or something about the tail wagging the dog. And when you look at that, when you make investment decisions, you always think of that as the dog and the tail is the tax part. It's connected to it, but you got to make sure that the tail is not wagging the dog. The dog has to be the main thing you're concentrate on. Your portfolio allocation has to be your main focus. And the tail is important to look at, but it isn't what should make your investment decisions. So let's talk, I'm going to talk a little bit about the strategy we have at the McClellan Financial Group about how we make sure we're doing the right thing. So we've talked about the 20% variance on the Canadian equity. We also have a total portfolio variance. So if the total portfolio is off by 15% or more, we automatically reach out to our clients and say it's time to rebalance. And so, you know, and what are, if Canada was off by one and a half and the U.S. is off by one and a half and every, we had seven different asset classes, they were all off by one and a half, we'd be off by 10 and a half. So that's how you do the math on it. So what do we do first? The first thing we do is can we do that rebalancing in one of your registered accounts? Either your RSP, your RIF, your LIF, your LIRA, your TFSA. Can we do it there first? Because there's no tax implications. So we've solved one problem. 
So always remember, if you get a notice from us that says there's a rebalance and it's gonna to have to happen to open account and have tax, co tax consequences, it's not that we're trying to support Justin. <laughs> we, we've run out of options. We, so we, we've run out of options. If, if we're now going to the open accounts and we need to do the rebalance there, that's our only choice. So there are a couple of other things. If we're now having to rebalance in the open account, which means it's gonna be a taxable event, the first thing we do is we look at, is there a, a spouse who might have a lower tax rate? And so that might be in a case, if it's a joint account, no advantage whatsoever. The next thing we look at, can we adjust any of the monthly inflows to the accounts or the outflows? So if someone's got a, a monthly savings plan going or a monthly income plan coming out, can we adjust those to get the portfolio back in line quickly? That one's tougher, but we can certainly make some adjustments to make it so it doesn't need to be rebalanced quite as often. The other one, and this is always a good solution, is new money. So if you have money sitting in the bank, sitting somewhere else, we can add it to the portfolio and do the rebalancing by adding additional funds to the account. So there are some options there. And generally speaking, when new money comes in, if you have one of our, let's say, two, three fund or any type of large portfolio mix that goes in there, we're taking a full rebalancing sheet at the time the new money comes in, and we're filling up the gaps in that, uh, in that portfolio. So we're finding what is underweighted, and we're going to add to that. So it's a much more advanced system toward new money than I've seen very few firms do. Common excuses why not to rebalance. Number one. I don't believe in the U.S. I don't like their president. I don't like what's going on in the U.S. I don't like what's going on in Europe. I don't like what's going on in real estate. I don't like what's going on in Canada. So that's a common excuse. What are some other common excuses that we come across? There's momentum. Things are going good. They're going to keep on going good forever. Canada's had a great run. It's going to continue. Oil prices are going to continue to go up. Even when all the cars are going electric, oil prices are going to continue to go up. And, and that was the case. Understand, the, the U.S. market has had an amazing run for the last 10 years. It's up 15% a year over the last 10 years. That's not normal. Normally, it's only up 10% a year over the last 10 years. So that's an extra 5% a year. At some point, that's going to correct itself. And sometimes people forget there's also rebalancing happened within your portfolio too. Even if we're not doing it in our office, we use uh, dimensional quite a bit and they will have rebalancing going on. The same as we talk about our rebalancing strategy, they have rebalancing going on between value and growth, between small cap and large cap, between profitability and non-profitability. They have all that going on inside the funds because you, as things grow, they have exposure more to small caps. Small caps will go to large caps then they're gonna to have to rebalance them back to put, put their small caps back in position. So most decent managers have some type of rebalancing strategy inside their, inside their funds. I'm gonna to just touch on that for a minute. So my own portfolio, I'm lucky. I don't need to rebalance my portfolio. And, that's, and I've talked about this on numerous podcasts and that's because I'm in one fund. It automatically gets rebalanced. And we have started to bring that to a lot of our clients. In fact, over two thirds of our clients are in a portfolio that automatically balances itself 
because it's a one or two fund solution. And so we're, we're trying to make it easier so that you don't have to make these emotional decisions because they are tough decisions. We get it. We just have the experience. We've been doing this for so long that we know how important that rebalancing actually is. Again, what is rebalancing? When's the best time to buy an investment? When it's down. When's the best time to sell an investment? When it's up. That brings us to the end of another week. Thank you for joining us. If you're looking for a financial advisor, visit our website at tmfg.ca or call us at 905-771-5200. This episode has been brought to you by the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, reminding you to live the life that makes you happy. You've been listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited.